Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. The Links and Locks Podcast. Podcast. Better than most. Better than most. Better than most. <laughs> winner, winner, chicken dinner. <laughs> You got real talent. Don't concentrate on golf. Hello, you beautiful degenerates, and welcome to Links and Locks, the Action Network's golf betting podcast, presented by Bet365. This week, we're going to be discussing the AT&T Byron Nelson. This one's coming to you from TPC Craig Branch in McKinney, Texas, where Scotty Scheffler is a commanding favorite well under plus 400. I'm going to be with Spencer Aguiar. You can find him on Twitter at Tee Sports and Nick Brettwish. You can find him at Sticks Picks and I'm Roberto Arguello. Guys, welcome into the show. And before we get into our course breakdown and our outright picks, let's get started with our best bets. Nick, why don't you get it started this week? I'm going to go uh, down the board a little bit. I'm going to go Christian Bezadenhout to win at 70 to 1. I don't believe that number is out there, but that was my uh, my my favorite pick of the week um, this morning. Um Playing, I, I guess the ball striking so far, like his last four starts on the PGA Tour have been the best he's had since potentially 2020, if not better than that run. And in my numbers, and I believe in Spencer's too, he's the number one bent grass putter. Putting means a lot to me every single week, especially when picking an outright winner. Obviously, that's why I like to win him Clark a little bit. Last week, we talked about his, you know, ball striking for the last year has just been unbelievable. And obviously, you get a hot putter and a guy that's a top five putter in the world, probably in Wyndham Clark. You have a good recipe for a outright winner. I'm going to go the same with Bizaden out here this week. Congrats to you on that big one last week, Nick. And Spencer, who do you like for your best bet this week? So you might need to shop around a little bit to find this bet. And I say all of this. And I want to preface that this is just a wager where it's a number grab. It's a, it's a placement grab here. It's nothing against this player, but Jason day to finish ninth or worse at minus one twenty. Wow. I think the world is about to end. Um, yeah, podcast is over. That, that's shocking. Um, <laughs> so we, ha- we haven't discussed any of these picks before we get on the air. So putting that out there for everybody, we had no idea that Jason day bomb was coming and, like Nick, my best bet also involves Christian Bezaden out. I've got him 47th or better at minus 120 over in the placement markets Ooh. on bet 365. But I do think he still has some more upside as well. So before I get into my bet and Spencer's bet, Nick, why don't you tell us why you like Cebes to win outright this week? Yeah, I always start telling you the reasoning right when I take the pick too. So sorry <laughs> about that. But yeah. 
Um, gaining just incredible strokes approach over the past four rounds on the PGA Tour. A little bit of letdown there at the Arnold Palmer, but, you know, T42 at Honda Classic. But other than that, the approach has been fantastic. We know the putter is going to be awesome. It does have decent course history here, which doesn't mean a whole lot to me. But again, just a very weak field. So I think that this is a time that I could take a shot on a guy like Bazaden. How my numbers for him, uh, I had him proper at 54 to 1. So to get 70 to 1 was fantastic value for me, especially on this board. And again, it looks like the market is moving towards that number that I have, that 55 to 50 range, I think, at most spots. Maybe you could find a 60 out there. I think I'd cap it at 60. I I think now that I hear your bet more on bet 365, that's probably the way that I would advise people to go if you're interested in Bezadenhout, just because that's such a good number. I have him 13th overall in this field, so 47th or better. I think that's a great pick if you can't find the 70 to 1 that's uh, that was out there this morning at least. Hey, Nick, also, um, I just looked on bet 365. When you look at the tournament winner there, it never, normally gives you their normal winner where you have each way betting involved. But if you mm -hmm. scroll down and you do enhanced win, which is just the outright play, you can actually find Bazaden out at 75 to one there, which I didn't realize Ooh. before, or maybe it moved since earlier when I looked, but I'm much more intrigued by that because um, I think I only saw him at 60 or better. So 75, a lot juicier. And I think that the putting gives him some upside and I'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, Spencer, yeah, what about your best bet with Jason Day? So, you know, I think Day obviously I like him here. I think he's a top 10 expected play in this tournament, but it really just comes down to a number grab for me. So most top 10 markets have him listed at plus 170. It's just hard to ignore a true price that is probably closer to plus 200 for him to land inside this top 10 zone. We also get it ninth or worse here. So that kind of plays into it. And, you know, if we want to point over to bet three, six, five as just probably in my opinion, they're the premier market for these finishing position bets. They have him 19th or worse at that mm. same minus 120 price. So, like, to me, this is just one of those positions where it just feels very wrong for anybody to be ninth or worse, or, I mean, eighth or better in this sort of a field here. I understand it's getting weaker by the second tier, and I don't have a head-to-head -head bet this week that I found value on. So, I decided to treat this as my pre-tournament wager. I bet at 1.20 units to win one. I'm kind of just taking the mentality that I want to take pretty much the entire field over him there. So it, it just really comes down to a situational grab, I guess would be the best way to say it more than anything. And then as far as Bezaden, how is concerned, I just want to add one thing really quickly to him because mm -hmm. he's also inside the top 10 of my model this week. And when I ran things for safety, he's seventh for me. So I really like that positional aspect of, I believe you said 47th or better there. Yes. Like to me, that's kind of the ideal way that I would be trying to play Bazaden out because I was trying to figure out a way to get exposure to him. I didn't necessarily want to get there in the outright market. I think it's okay at the numbers that Nick's talking about because, like, anytime a player is inside the top 10, that certainly means something to me. But I love that positional feel of this. This kind of feels like the ideal spot to take him there. Yeah. I really like the safety that he has, and the putter really provides that. And I think that not only the putting, but the fact that this is a bent grass surface, and I didn't know that he was number one on bent grass. I just didn't think there's not a large, large sample size of bent grass so far in this calendar year. I'm not sure that we've had more than three events, um, but I think that bent grass is the purest surface, and I think it's the easiest one to hold putts on. And I think that lends a bigger advantage to the players on the margins, whether they're an elite putter 
or they're one of the more poor putters on the PGA Tour relative to something like Bermuda grass. So I really like that in addition to him being a strong putter, he's got strong history putting on this course. Last year, he finished in a tie for 12th, and it was just one of four events on the PGA Tour last year where he gained at least eight strokes putting. So he's shown that he has big upside putting, and also he has putted really well on this course in his only appearance here. While I don't necessarily love his upside, I think 75 to 1 is a pretty good number. I haven't betted yet, but I'll consider it. And he did miss his last cut um, at, in the Euro and the DP World Tour in Europe in his last event. But before that, he gained at least four strokes on approach in three of his last four PJ Tour events. And the form, I think, is really strong. He's also strong around the green. So I think just a testament to that safety that you guys both mentioned as well. So I'll take him for 47th or better. Nick, you already mentioned you bet Cebes outright, but who else is on your outright card this week? So again, just a forewarning, we got a, a lot of movement. I did get Stephen Yeager at 60 to one. I know he's a guy that hasn't really won ever on the PGA tour, but it's a guy that I think is just getting better every single week. Spencer was on the nuts last week in that matchup over Putnam who had a horrible round one and just withdrew. So cashed us out early. We love that. Uh, I took Tom Hoagie at 50 to one Hideki Matsuyama at 29 to one. That was right when the Jordan speed stuff was going on. So if you have faith in Matsuyama, that number is is much shorter now. So I don't know if you want to chase that. Aaron Rye at 90. And then my long, long shot of the week. Pretty much my lighting money on fire pick that I do every single week at someone 150 or longer. I'm going with Davis Thompson at 180 to 1. Surprisingly, that number is shrinking a ton too. I actually think this is a decent course for Davis. And I don't know. I like Spencer. I think I just believe in the talent. It's I know we saw it early in the year. And it hasn't really came back since the Amex, but this should be a good spot for him. Spencer, any thoughts on those? And then your outright card? I always like Davis Thompson. It doesn't take much for me to want to get intrigued and back him. So uh, I like that wager a lot. He's one of those players that has positive trajectory for me for upside. I think we know with the youth and what like his, he's one of the best ball strikers, in my opinion, and by my model's opinion, like specifically in this field, but I also think he's really good even when you throw him in some of these elevated events. It just always comes down to how does he handle it with the putter? How does he handle it around the green? And you kind of alluded to it a second ago. It's a very pure surface here. So maybe that helps him. And I like when these guys that are poor putters get these different surfaces that they haven't been on recently because then maybe you get that spike with them. And uh, we've already seen it this year a little bit with Thompson, as soon as he does spike ever so slightly with the putter, he can compete to win an event. So I, I really like him this week, and I don't have an outright wager on him. I might end up adding it now that Nick is on it, but I have two outright bets. And, you know, like Nick talked about this, and when Spieth withdrew from this field, and obviously now with everybody else that has withdrawn since then, numbers are moving around the space, and it's making it much more difficult. But the first one I grabbed was Adam Scott at 41 to one. Mm. I think that's probably more in this 36 or 37 to one range now. Like there's a couple problems with this. So one, I think it's one of those situations where you have it where like the pros and the Joes both seem to be on the same side of wanting to fade Adam Scott here. It's pretty much an underdog in every single matchup that I found. Um, you know, obviously none of that's a good thing. You never necessarily want to see that, but my model has a much different opinion of this outcome for Adam Scott than 
the rest of the market does. So there's a couple things that pop for me. First, he's ranked first in my model when I recalculated the strokes gain total returns to mimic the two-year dispersion of scoring at this property. That reminds me a lot of what I saw from Sung Im last week when I talked about his potential to sneak up the leaderboard. And then we also got these highly enticing retrievals for birdie or better, uh, bent grass putting, weighted proximity and weighted scoring. Like the market is not going to believe this outcome of what I'm saying here, but I do think Scott should be a top five win equity option in this field. And anything over 30 to one to me is still the correct math to try to make this wager here. And then the second one I grabbed was Scott Stallings at 80 to one, at least as of a couple hours ago, that number was still available at a couple books. It has moved a little bit. I've seen it more in that like high 50, mid 60s range at a lot of these places, but there were a couple books that still had that 80 to one price up there. You know, we've seen the upside at this tournament specifically with back-to-back years after providing consecutive top 25 showings on this course. And then he adds to that expectation when we look at weighted proximity and his ability to make putts at a higher rate than most players in this field on bet grass green. So when we look at what I just said there, we see him shift from 65th on a generic course in proximity to 36 here. And then he also increases his putting from 40th to 11th when faced primarily with this bent grass surface. I think these general layouts have always been where he's best suited to find success. And then when we add the upside that he has in, you know, he's fourth in this field for scoring on TPC tracks over his past 50 rounds. He's inside the top 10 for me and expected scoring. That would be a weighted like scoring from uh strokes gain total here. And that's the other thing I want to point out with Bezadenhout that I missed earlier. Bezadenhout's fourth for me when it came to that expected scoring. So hmm. uh, maybe there is a little bit more upside that meets the eye on Bezadenhout that I'm giving him credit for, but that's kind of the same answer that I'm giving for Stallings here, where these are players that the general public doesn't necessarily think of as win equity options, but I think it's boosted their price in a lot of ways for us to be able to take a chance. And that's what the three of us always like to do on this show. Like regardless of what happens in the situation here, Find us the golfers that our model likes and let them drift out in price a little bit when everybody else is going a different way. And uh, I really like Scott Stallings this week for that reason. There's just so many metrics when you look at TPC Craig Ranch that he is better here than almost anywhere that you can put him in the world. And like he does have the ability to win when he gets himself up on the leaderboard. So I'm hoping that he gets himself up there and then I'm going to bet on that upside if that happens. And I thought 80 to one was a really good price. I think you guys bring up a lot of really interesting points and basically everyone that I had considered and hadn't figured out how to bet. So a lot of food for thought for me. But first, I want to start with Scott Stallings just because it's fresh on the mind. He spoke with Jason Sobel on his radio show, Hitting the Green, somewhat recently. And he talked about how he redesigned how he picks his schedule on the PGA Tour and tries to optimize which courses fit him best and one course that he really wanted to play at every year was tpc craig ranch so he thought it really fit his game and so that speaks to exactly all the metrics that you just mentioned so confidence and comfortability i think is a big key mentally that you necessarily you can't um you can't factor in but the numbers also show that it, he should fit here so that makes a lot of sense nick you also brought up Hideki, I believe. Um, Deki is someone who could withdraw tomorrow or Thursday early on. It was or, volatile. It was or volatile. he could win by five strokes. So <laughs> if you want to bet him, I'd say bet him to win the tournament. 
I'm very intrigued. This is going to be his first start since I believe the Valero after he withdrew from the Masters due to a neck injury or withdrew from some other recent starts due to, due to a neck injury. And he all, he went all the way to Japan for that neck injury. So first start since then, I'm very intrigued to see what happens with him, whether I bet on him or not. And then Tom Hoagie, someone who I also have in my card, he's my whole card right now. Uh, I bet Mark Hubbard to win at plus uh, or at 110 to one, but he has since withdrawn. So not on my card anymore. But Tom Hoagie, I really like because of his elite upside, thanks to his best on the PGA Tour strokes gain approach and also his putting combination that can spike. So approach play, first on tour, first in proximity to the hole. In addition to that, he's second on approaches in proximity from 200 to 225 yards, which is a key metric this week. And then also eighth on approaches from 225 to 250. So just really solid from that bucket of 200 to 250. And then also from 50 to 125 yards, that scoring wedge range, whether it's a half wedge or a full gap wedge or full lob wedge or sand wedge, he's going to be able to score no matter if it's a long par five or if it, or if it's a par five, which there are only three of them this year, because they moved one of the four par fives into a long par four. And then also on the scorable par fours, he'll be able to get those in between wedges that might be awkward for some players up and down. Also, he's first in, prox in fairway proximity. So when he gets chances, he converts and they're going to be a lot of chances this week. 50th in strokes gained putting overall on tour. So I thought that was pretty solid. And then most importantly, eighth in birdie or better percentage on tour, just over 25%. And it's also second in the field behind Taylor Montgomery. But I think there might be a little bit of selection bias there between the two because Taylor Montgomery played in the fall on a bunch of easier golf courses relative to the ones that Tom Hoagie has played. Also 40th in total driving. So more accurate than long off the tee, but he gets it done. And also strong history, 17th last year here guy who played his college in Fort Worth at TCU, so familiar with the area, maybe a home game for him this week. So for all those reasons, I really like Tom Hoagie, one of the few numbers that hasn't really moved after the Jordan Spieth withdrawal. So you can find him out there at 50-1 to 1 on Bet365's Enhanced Win. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Fellas, any thoughts on the course overall? Or Spencer, do you want to take the course preview for this week? Yeah, so it's we've alluded to it already. It's TPC Craig Ranch. It's going to be a little over 7,400 yards, par 71 bent grass screens. I think it's one of those venues where we have minimal data because it's only been played here for two years. Like mm -hmm. beyond anything else, a two-year sample size makes pulling past results challenging since building a model will leave you with more questions than answers. Still, in my opinion, that notion becomes even more problematic when you realize this venue has been susceptible to weather altered deviations throughout its limited history on tour. So Roberto just talked about it a second ago. One of the significant changes this season is that the par 512 has been converted into a lengthy par four that will stretch just under 500 yards. That's going to shift that this track from a par 72 to a par 71. Minor disparities likely occur there since you turn a hole from one of the easiest on the course to one of the more challenging. 
But there are still reasons this venue has been won by KH Lee in back-to-back years at 26 under and 25 under. Like, in my opinion, all of that kind of shows that where you don't have much danger, it's always going to present this birdie fest outcome, even when you have 34.7% of second shots that occur from over 200 yards. That's a total that's 11.8% higher than tour average. But like for me, guys, at the end of the day, I tried to base this off of historical trends on similar tracks more than anything else. So that's going to be trying to hone in on, I guess the best way to say it would be course specific blueprints over anything else you can find. So that's going to be statistics like bent grass courses. It's going to be TPC properties, easy scoring conditions, venues over 7,400 yards pretty much anything that we can find statistically at other places to try and project and then extrapolate out to this specific layout. And um, two things I want to add to what you just said a second ago, Roberto. So mm-hmm. uh, first thing on this, I also had Mark Hubbard. Unfortunately, when he withdrew, I liked that number. I got 120 to one. I thought that was mm-hmm. a really good number grab there. And uh, I was saddened to see him pull himself out of the tournament. And then as far as Tom Hoagie goes, Like, to me, it reminds me kind of of the Hideki situation that you're talking about just in a different way. I think he's a better outright wager than he is anything else this week. He's highly volatile right now. Mm -hmm. He's all over the map. But then he's number one in my model when it comes to weighted proximity. Uh, If I run this purely for upside and I get rid of everything else that we want to talk about here, he jumps up to being a top five win equity option. The floor is much lower. He has the highest miscut rate of pretty much any player for me that is 40 to one or less in this field, or if you want to call it 50 to one or less in this field. So um, I think it's a boom or bust play with Hoagie. Like there's a high likelihood that I think he ends up just continuing this bad run and missing the cup. But like, we always talk about this an outright wager. You need that upside. Like a miscut is equivalent to like a fifth place finish for us. So I'm fine shooting for the moon here on Hoagie and hoping for the best when it comes to his ball striking and, specifically his ability to make birdies and the weight of proximity that he brings to the table. Like it's really interesting in 2023. Like if, like when I run my numbers and I try to compare it to baselines of what we've seen in years past, the two players that just skyrocket for me are Tony Finau, who has somehow become this really weird player that is not as good off the tee as he used to be. And now the iron play is incredible And then Tom Hoagie is like legitimately number one in so many of those 25-yard buckets that I look at. And that would be comparing it against golfers like Colin Morikawa, who's not in the field. So I think the upside that we get here from Hoagie is just really enticing for an outright. But I just want to preface that by saying there is downside that's going to come into the mix here. I just don't think that's something we need to worry about on an outright wager. Nick, anything else to add on the course preview that you're looking at? No. Nothing really new here. Um, I, I did put a little more emphasis on the longer iron play again, so kind of like the trend of the r- last recent courses that we've had. But for the most part, I'm pretty much still backing the same guys that are playing, like the Steven Yeagers. And uh, I'm sure I'll get a ticket on Kevin Roy at some point. But no, no, I think Spencer's well put, and that's what built my numbers this week as well. Well, Kevin Roy cashed for us last time, so hopefully he can keep it rolling. And he's one of those players that we mentioned on the margins one of the worst putters on the PGA Tour, perhaps the yeah. surface helps him out. Um, you also mentioned Steven Yeager and Davis Thompson, guys whom I think the change in putting surface could really help Yeager specifically because he's been down horrendous with the putter. So I'm, I'm intrigued by that at the 50 to 60 to one range. I don't think it's for me, but you can grab it at 70 
eighty to one. I think I take a long and hard look at it. Um, fellas, any other plays that you guys have on your card before we get into our rapid fire? I'll start with you, Nick. Uh, only other one again. More exposure to Steven Yeager. I'm going to go Steven Yeager over Taylor Montgomery. Um, that number left the station though. I got it at minus one fifteen. I think the industry as a whole right now is at minus one thirty at the shortest. So that one is uh probably doesn't do anybody any good. But I'm all about fading Taylor Montgomery. I cannot stand his iron play or lack thereof, and will continue to fade him until he proves me uh proves me wrong here. Yeah, Jaeger too. If we look at what he did last week, like throughout the first three rounds of that tournament. When I ran the baseline short game metrics over what he was actually producing and we took the ball striking that he had, he should have been inside the top five of that tournament. He just really never made a run at it because the short game was so bad. But maybe this surface switch ends up providing dividends for him and paying off because like we've talked about him so much over these past couple months. I don't think, and I might have even given this example on the show. I gave it on some shows last week. Like I don't think Jaeger's necessarily Wyndham Clark in the progression that we've seen but he's damn close. Like he's one of those players that is just skyrocketing every single week up my model. And at some point he's going to win. We know on the corn Ferry tour, he won a bunch of tournaments. Like at some point, I think this is going to turn around for him and we're going to see him enter the winner's circle. And I wouldn't be shocked if it happened this week. Like I, I don't have a wager on it. I'm not necessarily predicting that to be the case with it, but I love the upside intangibles that he does bring to the table. Five wins for Jaeger on the Corn Ferry Tour since the beginning of 2017. Get the putter going, kid. The difference between Jaeger and Wyndham Clark in my book is that Wyndham Clark was really strong off the tee and with the putter and just needed that approach game to come around, and it did. Jaeger doesn't have the putting to start with, but the approach play is skyrocketing, like you mentioned. And so I think – I don't know that he has that ceiling until he proves that he has the putter, but I think this is a good week to take a chance on that putter – as we mentioned with the change of surface and it being the purest, in my opinion. On the yeah, and putting's a very volatile statistic yes. to begin with. Like I, I love players and you kind of notice it. I'm sure everybody listening out there with the way I build my cards frequently here. I try to find these really good ball strikers and let them just pop for one week with the putter because that's how like all of a sudden they move themselves up the leaderboard and give themselves a real chance to win. Like we can make the argument on Sunday that they're more likely to regress back to the means because of that reason. But like I always value the quality ball strikers that can get hot with the flat stick at any point. And like, I'm waiting for Jaeger to do it. It just necessarily hasn't necessarily happened the way that I would want it to in some of these outright bets. And I don't know. I, I think it's a good number this week. Like I said, like I didn't get there and numbers move so quickly that like by the time speed was out, the decision had already been made for me because the number had run away and I was questioning it where it was. And then it probably over moved after that point, but like, I've been trying to figure out ways to get exposure. I just don't know exactly on this board right now with the way things stand where it's going to be, unfortunately. So it's like one of those players I like, it's just, how do you really back them? Mm-hmm. So is there any other plays on your card that you haven't mentioned yet? I actually have a couple this week inside the placement right. market. So uh, I'll go back to Scott Stallings. I have him plus 275 to come top 20 plus 650 to come top 10. Um, You know, to me, and it kind of goes back to what I was saying, I do think he's one of the better values on this board. Like, he's going to be under-owned in DFS. The outright number is too high at 80 to 1. I think books priced him for a top 40, probably better than a lot of these other markets that we're looking at. But I'm going to grab my perceived edge here on a golfer that has posted the back-to-back top 25s that I talked about uh, at this track. 
He ranked eighth in my model for expected strokes gain total. I talked a little bit about him being second for strokes gain total on bent grass scoring specifically. So I'm going to bet on the upside there. I took Vincent Norman at plus 188 on his top 40. That was a number grab on a price that was about 30 points too high for me. You know, he has this mixed bag profile, but the par five scoring is in the top five of my model. The overall birdie or better percentage is inside the top 10. That's a really explosive skill set to take on against playing this one of this easiest tracks on tour in TPC Craig Ranch. And then if we want to get gross here, and this is getting about as gross as you can get, Justin Lauer at 8-1 to one to come top 20. So he's a long shot for a reason. I understand that it's probably more likely that he misses the cut than anything. But at 8-1, to one, he's gained in three straight starts with his irons. I think that really works well here when we look at the weighted proximity for this course. He was 31st in my model when I ran weighted proximity specifically for this venue. We know him to be a birdie maker that can score respectably on par fives. And then he was one of only two players that were outside 200 to one in this field to rank inside the top 20 in expected strokes gain total for this course. The other would be CT Pan. I decided not to back CT Pan in any way because there were a lot of negative downfalls that I found in my model with the way I ran things. And um, you can find the same eight to one price on Pan if you want to go that route. But as I look at Lauer, to me, he's a really cheap way to gain exposure to the upside that I believe he has this week. Like I wouldn't play it any lower than this. Like I think a top 30 or a top 40 is really pushing the envelope because he hasn't come better than 50th in his last 11 starts. But I just think it's a nice situation to shoot for the moon here in a spot on a guy who's highly volatile, who does seem to be trending again with the irons. And if the irons turn around, we saw some portions of 2022 where his game in this sort of a field probably would have priced him more in the 100 to 1 range than what we have now. So I kind of have a belief that things might be changing for him. And an 8 to 1 price is very high to take that shot. Like he's one of the better upside climbers that I have by my math. He also has a super low floor that makes him one of those higher miscut potentials. But kind of the same thought process that I've been giving around guys when we're talking about to win this event. Like, I'd rather just shoot for that upside where I have the possibility to do so. And at eight to one, that number was a really enticing price grab there. I think that's a really intriguing one that I might have to tail. I I think like when we look at this field, it's a really watered down. It's getting more watered down by the second. Like this field Mm -hmm. is shrinking. Like by the time we finish recording the show and by the time it actually gets posted, we like the three of us might be in the field at this point. So I, I just think Lauer, if if things can work for him the way that we know that they can from an upside perspective, there's just more room than, you know, I, I won't like, I won't name a player right now and compare them, but there's a lot of players down in that eight to one range that don't necessarily even have made cut potential, let alone to come top 20. I'm going to keep it going with another top 10 bet. I bet Michael Kim plus 650. I think there's more upside than meets the eye, given his pedigree as a Haskins Award winner and someone who's already won on the PGA Tour, uh, won the 2018 John Deere Classic. And while he gained over 13 strokes, uh, true, true strokes gained putting, uh, which just absurd. But he's someone whom I think could have a preposterous week putting um, in a good way. And he comes in, unfortunately, with a seventh place finish last week. So I'm not sure that I'm hopping on at the right time, uh, at the wrong time after a high finish. But 
I'm really bullish on his game. Got to call a few of his shots last week on the par three streams. And not only did he finish in the top 10 last week, but he did, did it by playing solid golf all around uh, off the tee on approach around the green and putting. He gained strokes in all metrics and he was top 25 off the tee on approach and with the putter. And he has three top 11s in his last nine starts. I know that we mentioned a few weeks ago, maybe a couple months ago, how he was just popping up and scoring really well, even though we didn't think the statistics were that impressive, specifically on approach. But his elite skill is putting, and that's why he can beat some of those um, more mid-off-the-tee and approach metrics or overperform them. And this is a home game for him. He lives in Dallas, and he practices frequently at TPC Craig Ranch. So I'm anticipating a little bit of a home court advantage factor for him. And overall, I just think that he's got more upside given where he's come from, where he completely lost his game. He was one of the worst players off the tee on the PGA Tour for a couple of years. Lost his card, wasn't anywhere near near the PGA Tour, got it back. And now he's popping up on leaderboards. I think he's got a chance as someone who has a high floor. I don't know how high his ceiling is because of that lack of elite approach and off the tee game, but I think he could sneak in top 10, top 20. He's worth a look depending on what prices your book has this week. That's usually Nick's boy. So, I mean, he was clearly onto something last week. I know uh, one of Nick's darlings on the lower part of the board was Michael Kim, and that proved to be correct there. And you kind of worded it best, Roberto. I don't really know where it comes from because from a statistical perspective, he never necessarily pops for me, but the results have just been so steady now for this entire year that like at some point you have to throw the data out the back the, into the back seat here because he is producing as if, and specifically in this field, like, I, I don't know, like I, we keep saying it just keeps getting worse and worse by the second. So if, if he can make another top 10 finish, like it's not going to shock me. Nick, any thoughts on your boy? I'm going to be out this week. I think everybody's on him. Everybody's talking about him and it's a lot of golf in a row. I'm, I'm out. The pricing continuously gets shorter um, but I think the upside's there. There's not a lot of guys that are that well-rounded right now, and I think that he is becoming a very well-rounded golfer. He knows how to win. He's done it before, like you said. But I am out in every market this week, just just because of the popularity thing. When everybody's playing it, I, I usually get out, but that's the DFS player in me. Yeah, I think from a DFS perspective, he becomes really difficult to back. Like, he's mm. going to be highly owned and that's kind of where like it's the answer i always give from a head-to-head -head perspective too is you get these deviations in the market but um i mean based off of nick ans nick's answer if he is out then i am out also because uh nick is the michael kim whisper and like i said my model doesn't necessarily like him like he grades 86 for me overall there's better safety numbers than anything but that's not foreign to me every single week he's outside the top 75 so i mean like i expect to see this from michael kim and uh yeah i mean it's, it is what it is at this point well we'll see if he can keep it going even despite some of our doubts about him fellas it sounds like we've gone through all of our cards uh correct me if i'm wrong and we can move to the rapid fire that sound good yep sounds good to me all right so we've discussed scotty scheffler jason day Let's talk about Tyrrell Hatton and Tom Kim. Which one of these guys would you rather have an outright ticket on and what number would you need to bet on them? I'll start with you, Spencer. 
it would probably take more for me. Like, it, it was really difficult. Once Spieth got out of this event, the first two that I noticed that just got crashed, like Tom Kim felt like the floor just completely fell out beneath him. And all of a sudden, I mean, like those numbers that you had to begin this week vanished. Um, I probably don't want to, like, I would need 30 to one on each one of them to back it. Like, I don't necessarily want to go this far up on the board in this tournament. So I think if you force me to pick an outright on one, like part of me wants to say Terrell Hatton, but I also think Hatton's a better suited player for a difficult golf course than a birdie fest. So I guess I'll say Hatton, but I don't say that with a lot of confidence. How about you, Nick? I would go, I will go Tom Kim if the number was, I mean, I got it Monday morning at 28 to one. That was short lived. So I didn't even want to mention that earlier, but uh, Tom Kim, I would take it at 25 to one. That number's non existent. I'm not touching Tyrrell Hatton sub 15 to one. I wouldn't bet him at 20 to one. So, like Spencer, Tyrrell Hatton, I would probably both at 25 to one, but give me Tom Kim. How about KH Lee or Hideki Matsuyama? Spencer? I'll bet on the upside with Hideki if I have to pick between the two. Like, we've seen KH Lee's number because he's gone back to back in this tournament. Like, it's completely unbettable at this point. And uh, I like Nick's original thought process on Hideki. Like, it's a great number grab spot when everybody was still in the field. I think it's a much different situation now with that number declining. But I I'd rather bet on what we know Hideki has been historically. Like, he's a major championship winner that in every single event because of injury concerns really never gets priced that way anymore. Nick? Next question. <laughs> All Hideki. Right. Uh, Matt Kuchar, he's 32 to one on oh. bet three, six, fives enhanced win. If I gave you a ticket for 50 to one on Kuchar, would you take it? My number has him at 29 to one. So yeah, I guess I would, but I'd give it to a friend. Hopefully they get rich. Cause I do not want to benefit from anything that guy does. I'm out. <laughs> I, I have negative trajectory for upside on Kuchar, which isn't really something that should be a shock to anybody with. I think he's a much safer player than anything else. I would probably want in the 40s to make a bet. So if you gave me 50 to one, I'll take a chance on it. But um, I have no interest where the numbers currently are right now. Somehow he beat Taylor Moore by a stroke in that matchup play we liked last week. Um, just top six, I believe, in strokes gained both putting and around the green and outside the top 50 off the tee and on approach last week for Kuchar. He just pulled one out. It was of his awful. Ass. I don't know how the heck he it did was an it. awful beat. That was the worst beat of the weekend. Uh, let's go Siwoo Kim and Seamus Power. Spencer. I like Seamus this week. That was like Seamus was as close as I got to punching an outright ticket on anybody that I didn't get one on. And um, I mean, the best price I see right now, I see a 45 out there. I mean, I, I think that's kind of interesting to be honest with you. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if I don't, I, I might end up in adding Seamus at some point before this tournament starts, because like any, to me, anything in that 45 or higher range was kind of where I wanted to get in. He's one of those players that does seem to be drifting up where everybody else is going down. Why do you like him this week? Uh, there's a, there's a lot of reasons. So first of all, first of off with it, like he's top 10 in my model when it comes to win equity and, um, like that means a lot to me based off of that, but he's a good win player 
And then specifically, he's really good at these easy scoring courses that have easy to hit fairways. So he's fifth for me in my model there. He's inside of the top 15 when I look at this weighted strokes gain bent total with that. So that's going to take, it it mostly takes strokes gain T to green, and then it adds the putting to the mix there. So it kind of gives you that upside with the putter where like that comes out, like he's top 15 in my model in weighted putting on bent grass there. And then he's just a birdie maker at the end of the day, eighth Mm -hmm. in my model for overall birdie or better percentage. So I think the weighted proximity is certainly something to worry about. Um, 114th for me there, but I don't want to get too caught up on some of these proximity numbers. Like there's weeks where proximity will just kill you. Like if you miss greens and you know, you, you go into water, you go into bunkers, you go into certain areas, like you produce bogeys and you take yourself out of the tournament. But when the winning score here is like 25, 26 under, I'm kind of willing to ignore some of that weighted proximity. Like there's going to be players that are going to produce and it may not be Seamus, but it's going to be somebody that is not necessarily that prototypical long iron player that you expect to find success. And it's like, I can find enough about his game outside of the proximity that I like this week with Seamus, where I think he is a quality golfer. And that is another player that never gets viewed in that same respect there. Like if you would have made him, 30 to one, like truly, I think that is kind of a fair number. I would have wanted more in that 40 to one range. And now when we get 45 to one, the value is there for me to punch the ticket. So I guess I, you know what? I will officially add that as a wager that I'm putting in right now. Seamus power 45 to one. So add that as the third out. Yep. Add that as the third outright. All right. In pod play. I was also right there with Seamus power. I liked the scoring, but I didn't love the approach numbers. So I'm very much still on the fence on that, but I think I'm going to have to mull it over a little bit uh, given that in-pot play. Nick, you like Siwoo here. Uh, it's it's a homer pick for me. I did like that Seamus looked good again last week and Spencer's got all the right reasoning. I think Seamus is a guy I'll certainly love in DFS, but in terms of outright, I got to go with Siwoo. That's just my guy. It always lets me down, but you know, I'm ready to get hurt again. I would love to see one of you guys in some of those Siwoo shirts that has the players with like a big P on the back. Um, those, <laughs> those are ridiculous. Um, I, we need more r- ridiculous clothing in golf and not from uh, Rory Sabatini. All right, moving on. Uh, Minwoo Lee or Davis Riley? Nick, we'll start with you. I'm going to go with Davis Riley. I think Minwoo Lee is a bit oversteamed here this week um davis riley looked very good at this course last year that was kind of when he was really in the zone but overall i believe in the talent of davis riley um i know man willie absolutely pounds the ball and he's a very t- talented golfer as well but i think davis riley writes the ship here this week how about you spencer i guess i give the same answer as nick like my model very much dislikes min willie but I don't necessarily want to give that same answer myself just because I have such limited data here. I'm pulling from tournaments where Minwoo's usually playing in either an elevated event or a major championship. So I do think he can work here for this course. And I'm it's like one of those spots where I'm kind of willing to ignore some of the data that I have, but I have no interest in betting him at the prices that we see right now. So it's almost like, I'm saying Riley just because I don't want the steam that we've seen with Minwoo at this point. Like, I think he's unbettable at the numbers that he's currently at. 
How about a trio of trees here? Brandon Wu, Joseph Bramlett, or Maverick McNeely? Nick? Bramlett, I guess. I mean, I don't know. Maverick's got the upside, but he's like Taylor Montgomery, and I know his irons aren't as bad as Montgomery's, but I'm I'm a ball-striking horror, so I guess give me Bramlett. Spencer? I like Maverick McNeely a little bit this week. I'm not going to go as far as what I just said with Sheamus and add that wager here, but there was positive upside for me to win this event on Maverick McNeely, and he is another golfer that is drifting in this space. Like, he opened at 40-1, to and... Nobody seems to be on him, and I think you can find, I mean, I see a 70 out there right now. I think you're starting to enter the territory where it's like one of those gross spots where you kind of just close your eyes and hope for the best with it. Because uh, when we look, so Bazaden Hout for me was, I guess, I guess technically it's a tie-in my model between Bazaden Hout and McNeely when it comes to strokes gain putting on bent grass and I, I like we can worry about some of the iron play with these players. And like, I keep going back to that. I'm just not necessarily willing to discount somebody because the long iron proximity isn't where it needs to be. So I, I think McNeely is very intriguing this week. I, I think he's a volatile player at the end of the day, but as these players just keep getting higher in price, like it's making me more and more tempted to want to jump on there where everybody else seems to be getting steamed to all hell to where like, there's really no value to be found. And if you're going to move McNeely into this range where he's like over 70 to one, it comes very close for me to want to punch a ticket on it. Let's go to some of our personal pod favorite players, Aaron wise or will Gordon. I don't know what to do with Aaron wise. I think it's a great topic of discussion. What do you guys think? I want to play him. This more TFS again. I'm not touching him in the outright market, but there's like there's nothing in the media that says he's been you know practicing hitting well. Like give me at least some sort of false hope out there for for anybody in the Aaron Wise camp. So I don't know. I I don't love the silence. He took time off uh, to work on his mental health. So um, no updates on anything since we last saw him at the Dell match yeah. play because he I think a couple weeks later because it went match play of Valero than the Masters and he was in the Masters and he didn't play which doesn't happen very often but was really not striking it well on approach most notably and also off the tee the game was much worse than we've come accustomed to but Spencer this is your guy do you think the juice might be worth the squeeze at in either DFS or in a long shot play he's 75 to 1 on bet365's enhanced win I really like him as a DFS play just because you're going to get that contrarian take with him here where, I mean, we'll see where the ownership exactly comes in, but I would expect this to be sub 5% or right around that number. I do have some hesitation about taking an outright just because there's so many unknowns and like the unknowns are fine because we are getting some of that to drift up in the price here, but it's not as if when, and we could go on and on about what the reasons were of why his game wasn't where it needed to be a couple of weeks ago or a couple of months ago here to begin 2023. But I do have hesitations when we look at some of these metrics for him. Like if I'm directly comparing, I would rather bet Maverick McNeely at pretty much the same price. Like, and that's where it becomes difficult for me to want to try to punch a ticket on wise. There's just too many unknowns. And like, I've obviously given the opposite answer about all these other guys and it's going to now contradict it when I say it about wise, but the proximity for him has really gone south in 2023. Like 
there were times to begin the season that I thought he was legitimately a top 10 or 15 player on the entire PGA tour. And every single time that he played golf, he just kept getting worse and worse in my model. And like right now for me, he sits 22nd overall. He's 21st for upside. Uh, that number drops for me when it comes to safety. And I mean, that's going to make sense for all those reasons, but I think he's a really good DFS play because nobody wants to play him. I just worry about actually winning this golf tournament where we haven't seen him in weeks and I don't know where he's at right now. Last week, we just saw Wyndham Clark, like Aaron Wise, another Oregon duck and someone who said he needed to work on his mental game and be less hard on himself. And hopefully it works out for Aaron Wise like it did for Wyndham Clark. Not necessarily that he wins this week, but just that he gets to that mental headspace that he needs to be at and he can enjoy his life um, every day. Um, just much more than he has. And we wish him nothing but the best. And we're excited to see him get back to the golf form that we know he has as a very talented player here on the PGA Tour, as you mentioned, that upside that you've seen from him in the past. Uh, all right, guys, final one. We're going to do four guys. Eric Cole, guy who almost won at the Honda Classic. Ben Griffin, who almost beat Seamus Power at the Butterfield Bermuda Championship. Sam Stevens, who almost won at the Valero. And then also S.H. Kim, a rookie on the tour as well. Which one of those guys would you most like to have a ticket on at, let's say, 100 to 1 this week? Spencer, we'll start with you. I kind of like all four of them. I think if you told me that I could get one at 100 to 1, I would take Sam Stevens and what we have seen from him somewhat recently with the upside. So obviously, he has the second place at the Valero. He has the third place at Corrales. Um, my numbers like a lot about him, like the off the tee game. And this is specifically when I added distance to the equation. He's sixth in my model there. Uh, he's 15th for me when it came to the weighted strokes gain total. I, I think he's a very, I, I think for DFS, he's going to be popular for all the reasons that I just mentioned. But I think from an upside perspective, there may still be something there for like, there's real upside for him to win this tournament. So I, uh, I, I considered him in a lot of different ways this week. I didn't necessarily find a wager or a way to back him, but I, I like Sam Stevens in this event. How about you, Nick? Stevens for me all day. I like him a lot in every market. I mean, he grades out very similar to Michael Kim for me and is not being talked about like Michael Kim. So I'm going to go Sam Stevens. They're almost identical in my, uh, my odds making right now. So I like it. Give me Sam Stevens, especially if we get a hundred to one. I think he's got a little bit more upside on approach than uh, than Michael Kim, but definitely they're kind of flip flop as far as their uh, strengths. But overall, I think they have some intriguing um, skill sets or strengths in their skill set. Um, so, as a reminder, the Links and Locks podcast is proudly presented by Bet Three Six Five, the world's favorite sportsbook brand. Sign up with promo code Action. That's A C T I O N to get Bet Three Six Five's exclusive sign up offer in New Jersey and Colorado. Bet one dollar on any game get $200 free. That'll do it for today's episode. Thanks for joining us here on Links and Locks presented by Bet365. For more great golf content from our Action Network team, check out our Best Bets episode from earlier in the week featuring Jason Sobel and the PGA Tour's Ben Everill as they quickly run down their top 18 plays for this week's tournament. Be sure to check out the actionnetwork.com and the Action app for all of our great golf betting and DFS content. I know that Spencer's already working on his PGA championship uh course preview which will be out early next week if not on sunday next week so be sure to look forward to that uh and hop on his plays before the numbers start to move and maybe even some withdrawals happen like this week guys where can the people find you this week before uh the pj championship next week 
I'll start with you, Spencer. Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at Sports. Um, you know, I'm going to try to put out a round one article for tomorrow. Hopefully we can find a head-to-head matchup. A little shakier last week than it normally has been. It was a 1-1-1 one, one, and one finish for me. Unfortunately, in that tournament, Patrick Rogers had Alex Noren on the ropes and uh, that whole thing kind of fell apart there on Thursday afternoon. But, you know, I always post all my in-tournament matchups there, so be sure to find those. And then, yeah, you can get my model over on Twitter at, as I said, Tiaf Sports. How about you, Nick? At Sticks S-T-I-X-P-I-C-K-S, and then the Action Network Best Bets article this week. We are back, so I'm excited for long shots this week. So, obviously, you know, Scotty's got three times as much win equity as anybody in this field, literally. I think every sports book has at least a three times gap, so it'll be interesting there. But uh, if Scotty can start slow out of the gate and just have an okay round, a tune-up for the PGA, and we get a long shot across the board, I think someone on this podcast is going to make a lot of money. So hopefully it's one of us. I think there's an at least 60% chance of thunderstorms each Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So maybe Scotty gets on the wrong side of the draw and one of our guys gets on the right side and ascends all the way to the top of the board. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Roberto a two, one, three. Thanks for tuning into the PJ tour live featured holes last week. And I won't be on for a little bit until the BMW championship second week of the FedEx cup playoffs. So excited to be, able to bet every single week until then um so with that i'll say thanks again to everyone for tuning in as always and that'll do it for today's episode uh thanks for joining us on links and locks presented by bet 365 thanks again to everyone who makes this podcast possible especially our producers noah sophia and matt here's to hoping you hit the green at tpc craig ranch Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.